0: Hello and welcome to this Expert Insights CD. I'm Donna Hanson. Our Expert Insights CD series is designed to give professionals access to the latest trends, ideas, philosophies and approaches that impact on productivity, performance and achievement both in business and personally. We know that these days it's often hard to find time to step outside your world and explore what's happening in other organisations. Our Expert Insights CDs are designed to provide you with concise information on topics relevant to you on a regular basis in a format that maximises your time and keeps you up to date with current trends. In this Expert Insights CD, we speak with Meredith Elliot Powell about owning it, redefining responsibility to increase productivity, gain competitive advantage and engage employees. But before we meet Meredith, let me tell you a little bit about her. With a background including corporate leadership positions in banking, finance and healthcare, Meredith works with leaders and organisations to create ownership at every level to increase profits. Meredith believes success in today's economy requires every employee to be fully engaged, take ownership and drive results. With 7 out of 10 workers being disengaged, companies are investing money trying to solve the problem when what is required is in fact a cultural change. Meredith's clients include names such as IBM, ING and California State University, as well as many banks and healthcare networks. She's also the author of four books with the latest being Own It, Redefining Responsibility. Welcome, Meredith. How are you? Great.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to be here.
0: Ah, I'm excited to have this chat. I know when we we spoke a few weeks ago uh, we had a really great conversation about what you do and and how um, you share um, ideas around engagement and how it impacts on people's productivity. So before we get started, why don't you start by sharing with our listeners a bit more about how you came to be working with organisations on engagement and more recently around ownership.
1: Great question. You know, uh, right around 2008, when things happened with the economy, things started uh, to shift, I actually at that point began to study business and business growth in general and noticed that um, from an economy standpoint, we had literally needed to be doing business very differently than how we did it prior to 2008. And once I wrote the book, Winning in the Trust and uh, Value Economy, which was targeted towards business owners and CEOs, their natural next question became how can i get my employees to care how can i get my employees engaged simultaneously i found that um leaders and employees that I was working with wanted to feel like more in charge of their future with so much uncertainty with companies moving, with companies shutting down, with companies merging. People really felt very out of control. And up through both of those conversations bubbled this idea that what I saw from watching our society, television, you know the um the workplace we had become a group of people that were waiting for somebody else to show up with the answer Mm. there came the idea for wow responsibility if you grab it take charge of your own life your own career your own business it's not a burden it's a path to freedom and a path to true power um, over your future
0: I guess it's a bit like um you know, delegating the responsibility for what you do in your business upstream and realistically what you really need is to empower yourself to say, well, hey, I I want to be different. You're spending so much time at work every day. You want to make sure that you're enjoying it because otherwise your life can be pretty unfulfilling, can't it?
1: Yeah, you know, it's really um, life would be wonderful if every employer got great employees and if every employee got a great leader but life does not work that way (laughs) and and so we can sit around whining about it and actually be be very truthful I mean there are so many employees out there who have legitimate complaints against their employers and so many employers who have legitimate complaints against their employees and as I often say when I'm speaking Let's, let's spend the next 10 minutes complaining about things. The problem is, it doesn't solve anything. If it worked, I would be up for doing it. So if it doesn't work to blame other people, even if you're right, how, how can you get to the solution that you want? And getting to the solution that you want comes through responsibility.
0: So, how do you think engagement, or why do you think engagement is so low within organisations? How do you, how do you think we actually got here?
1: You know how I think we actually got here was I think that we are
0: enabling,
1: not engaging. Mm. As as I started studying employee engagement. Um, programs, what I found was that um, they were fantastic. I mean, oh my gosh, they were well designed, a lot of money pumped into them, really offering incredible things, but they left out one important ingredient,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: one important piece. They left out the employee. Um, You can't engage another person all you can do is create a culture where people can choose to engage or not choose to engage. So I think that we got here because we have created a culture where we are expecting somebody else to engage us Rather than taking um, responsibility for for um, for ourselves, or as corporations sitting in a sitting in a place where you allow people to support what they help create. Actually, the idea for the whole thing came came um, about when I was playing golf with a few self-made men. And when I saw they were self-made, these are men who had come from absolutely nothing and become billionaires. And and as I was listening to them talk, I kind of cut them off from their golf store and I said, I want to know how you go from being raised in a home where you have no plumbing in your house to being somebody who owns six houses, how you go from being somebody who needs charity to being incredibly philanthropic. And it ended up being a weekend long conversation. And what it came down to was they had no net, like there wasn't a choice. If, if, if life threw them an obstacle, they had to get over it. And we have, be, we have created a world where failure isn't, we don't want people to feel that, and it is a critical part of learning.
0: So uh, so you mean like failure as being something that's just accepted, you know, rather than it being something that we need to um, look at and go, well, that didn't work, let's try something else. So, so failing something and then going, I can't do that, rather going, failing something and how can I do that to actually get to where I need to go? Absolutely,
1: and I think another thing that we do is try to prevent people from feeling failure. I'll give you a great example. I've got a company I'm doing some work with now. I'm, I'm, I'm working with their next-level leaders, and I gave their next-level leaders a project to do, a project that will impact the whole company. And I asked the executive leadership team to pick whatever project they wanted to anything that they would like to see the organization accomplish. They gave me the project. They told me, you know, basically, and then they said please give this to the next level leaders but we want to be involved in helping them accomplish them just so that we don't get derailed. The whole purpose of the exercise is for the next level leaders to feel what implementing a project looks like and anybody who's been the CEO of a company knows they have implemented projects that have gone phenomenal and they have implemented projects that have failed. Confidence comes from failing and getting back up. But as leaders right now, we don't want, that's why every kid gets an A. There are no more valedictorians. We have, you know, they share things. Uh, You know, we have prevented people from feeling failure, and I fear we've robbed them of confidence in the, in, um, in the process.
0: I think that's a really, really valid point and one of the things that I'm seeing, and I don't know if you're seeing this in the US, but one of the things I'm seeing is we're so busy doing stuff that even at the end of a project, for example, what I what I'm tending to find is people are moved on to the next project before they've actually fully concluded one project and they don't get an opportunity to sit down and debrief and go, What worked well, what didn't work so well and what would we do differently next time? Would that be the case in the US as well?
1: Hey. Absolutely. Um, It's such a great point that you're bringing up. And I think another reason that we do that, too, I mean, another thing that prevents us is from dealing with real issues. Like Mm -hmm. if we're always just putting, you know, like if you want to create leadership in your organization, if you want to deal with your employee engagement problem, if you want to improve sales, these are not light things to fix. They're going to take effort, and they're going to take... Two steps forward, one step back. But I feel like people keep initiating projects because as long as we're busy, we assume we're moving forward. And, and exactly what you say, you've got to look at, at, at what you do and, and learn from it. And that's why I say that responsibility is the path to freedom. Because when you can look at your own behavior and improve it, wow, I have so much control over what I do. I can't control what you do.
0: No, that's right. that's right. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that that's uh, that's a really valid point, and you know, I'm one of these people working in that technology space that that I'm a big believer in that it's very easy to get caught up and get busy and just occupy yourself with ticking boxes. But to sit back and take the time to reflect and have conversations with your colleagues and find out what's happening, what's going on, all of those things enable people to better understand, you know, what's going on in their team or in their organisation than any email can possibly do. Mm,
1: absolutely. I think one of the most important Questions and it's a question we leave off the table a lot is the question of why. Mm. Why are we making change? Why are we doing this? Why? Why do we have to accomplish these goals? Um, you know, when you can answer the question of why, you ignite purpose in people because they either choose to believe in it or not believe in it, and and. And that is such a key piece of looking, looking at, at, at something and, and understanding why it needs to be done.
0: You mentioned before about the fact that, uh, you know, responsibility, um, a lot of people think the responsibility for the engagement relies with um, the next level up. But there's there's two things that spring to mind here. The first thing is whenever anything new is implemented, there's always somebody who presents a business case because we need to be able to show or substantiate the value this is going to deliver to the organisation. And it might be a nuts and bolts monetary thing if we do this this is the expected outcome etc but you're quite right nobody takes into account the human element of that and the fact that uh the human beings in the dynamic of a workforce uh, are three things to a business they're an asset a liability and an expense aren't they
1: absolutely and you know Donna, what's so critical about what you're saying is the very fact that we have moved into a global economy. For the most of us, anything that we are selling, quite frankly, it's become a commodity in the eye of our customer. I believe I can get the product or service anywhere. Therefore, the individual inside your organization that I interact with is the most important asset you've got, or to use your terminology, the biggest liability. I tell leaders today the relationships that you build with your employees are more important in today's world than the relationships you build with your customers.
0: Absolutely. Um, I'm not sure who it is. Uh, I think it might be Alan Weiss who Mm -hmm. says that um, he's never seen uh, unhappy employees and happy customers. Mm -hmm. Generally, if you have happy employees, your customers are happy. Yes. Yes. So, completely. Meredith, is it the same for subcontractors? I know some of our listeners may resi- may rely, sorry, on short-term contracted resources. Maybe people on short-term contracts, six-month contracts, twelve-month contracts, or any sort of virtual assistance.
1: A- abs- absolutely, you know, it's almost almost with that group. I think the level to which they choose to engage and the level to which they feel responsible um, for the success of their own career is almost more important than somebody who is employed in inside um, an organization. I'll just give you an example. I, I had a um, contractor that I actually coach. I do I do some work with, and she has a client that she truly is not crazy about and um, and is not enjoying um the engagement and the employer the her the person she's working with is not being easy to work with she has a choice right there every legitimate complaint she has about what he is doing is it's legitimate and it's valid but if she disengages and doesn't live up to her personal values and take responsibility for her own behavior she is going to jeopardize other contracts she could have because nobody cares what she says about her contractor relationship people only care about what other people that you have worked with and for are saying about you your customer's voice is powerful right now and you have to you have to live up to your responsibility of the way you need to behave in a situation
0: so uh, is it up to employers to initiate these types of programs, or can the uh, the impetus for something like this come from below and build up? How is the most logical way for an organisation to inspire ownership?
1: My answer to that is going to be yes, <laughs> 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 because because you you know the way that I wrote the book was in in three sections. Understanding employee engagement in general, how to create the right culture from a leadership perspective, and then how can an employee in- inspire innovation from the bottom up mm. um, and responsibility? Because I because I believe it is. And of course, I believe it's everybody's responsibility. And I think the only way that we are going to make change is for everybody to take responsibility to make that change. And that incremental change at every single level is going to ignite a spark. I, I'll give you a great um, example, because last time you and I spoke, you said you know that everybody in um, Australia is watching the uh, entertaining political situation in, in, in the U.S. yes. And, and what I look at every time I go to a dinner party is I listen to voters complain about the state of this country, and we are looking for somebody to show up at the top to fix it. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if, if, if we got this miracle human being who, be, who got um, elected. It can't, our problems cannot only be fixed from the top. We all at every level, we need a great government, but we need great residents of the U.S. to take responsibility to make our country better. It works the same inside Companies, I really believe that personal responsibility is is that magic pill that will cure so many things that we are challenged by, and put us in a position, no matter where you live in this world, to take amazing opportunity um, for the for the things um, for the things that could be accomplished and the solutions that we're looking for.
0: So, in effect, as an individual, we have to activate our. Um, ownership of a situation rather than abdicate it to our uh, our leaders Mm -hmm. absolutely and and what sort of things can an individual do to help uh inspire not ownership maybe for themselves but i guess when you um when you present something and you inspire yourself to to um, own something and, and move through something you inspire others around you indirectly but what are what are some things that you can do to activate that for yourself
1: absolutely you know that um, I always say that actions speak louder than words mm-hmm. and if you want um, if you want an organization or people around you to um, to to be different you need to begin by checking your own behavior. So I think one of the most important things um, that, that people can do and just a, a check that I always ask people to take is first to really ask yourself first to separate emotion from fact. What are the facts of the situation and where am I getting emotional um, around it and of those facts what can I directly control and impact and what can't I control an impact. You let go of what you can't control an impact and you put your energy into what you can control an impact. When you do that, you're going to put yourself in the driver's seat and again, I'll give you an example. Let's say that my company is making changes that I am not happy mm-hmm. about. I separate the fact from the emotion, I look at what I can control and what I can't, and a lot of the changes I can't impact, but I can do my job and serve my customers really well. What that does for me personally is if within the year my company isn't doing things that I want it to do, if I don't feel good about working there, I, because I have performed at a top level, I am so employable by other people. Had I checked out, nobody else wants me to come. Who wants a checked-out employee?
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, so um, I, I've I've got two directions I want to take here. But first of all, uh, how does having um, uh, leaders and individuals who who take ownership of stuff how how does that increase productivity within an organization?
1: You know, there's um oh my gosh, the research is um. You know, the research is, is off the chart, but when employees are engaged, your um, absenteeism goes down, mm-hmm. your, um, your need for um, disciplinary action goes down, drama in the workplace is decreased, customer retention um, and depth of relationship. Uh, increases acquisition of, um, of new business goes up and level of talent throughout the organization and retention of, um, of employees. Uh, goes through the roof, so it's all those costs that are hard to put our fingers on. Like how much are do do, um, do sick days cost us a year? How much does employee turnover cost us um, every year? How much does it does it cost to acquire a new customer when we've just lost uh, an existing customer out the back door? Employee engagement is the piece that goes in there, and um, and and solves so many of those issues going directly to the bottom line the other thing that i can't put a number on that i think is most powerful is that it decreases stress when i work inside organizations right now i see most leaders exhausted because they feel like they have this big weight on their back trying to pull or push their team forward. When you create ownership at every level, you've got a team working to solve the problems. You've got a group of people as vested as you are in moving the organization forward. So every problem doesn't need to be on your back.
0: Mm. Mm. Good points. And and I think uh, those, those elements... Uh, absenteeism and engagement and presenteeism are a big challenge for organisations today and when you do any sort of change within a business mostly organisations tend to look at the tangible benefits and the bottom line benefits without really considering you know the indirect um uh, things that are to be gained from it such as you know reduced stress, uh, reduced um, staff turnover, etc. So there's a whole lot of different elements to it that aren't necessarily reflected in one piece, isn't there?
1: It, it, you know it's what is so incredible about it is that when you really understand employee engagement from this direction, giving them skin in the game, you actually as a leader end up working less. And enjoying your job more. As an employee, when you take responsibility, you end up working harder and being so grateful for working harder
0: than you've ever worked. Okay, so let's let's take it to the next question as a as an organization Meredith how could um, myself as a you know a human resources manager or our listeners as human resources managers or learning and development professionals what are sort of two or three things a leader could do to initiate this type of ownership within their teams or their organization
1: there's a couple um, that I'm going to give you, and basically what I've got is a um, very simple three-step program. I call it, um, the acronym is TOP, and it's based on um, on uh, trust, ownership, and performance. And so three quick steps um, I'll give you. There's certainly a lot more to it than this, but these are some great places um, to start, is you need to begin by creating trust in the organization. Trust is something that has great value right now because as a world, we have lost trust in our governments, we've lost trust in companies, we've lost trust just in general. People um, just don't as much believe um, as they used to, It is human nature to want to believe in and be a part of something that you feel is being successful. So you create trust by first being transparent. You need to share, you need to trust the people in your organization to understand what is your vision, what are your mission, what are your goals, what um, What do they need to accomplish? Because the other piece of that is being clear with them, is people want to know how specifically you want them, what you want them to focus on to help you achieve the goal. So trust comes down to transparency and clarity, helping them understand what needs to be accomplished and then what specifically they can do. Mm -hmm. The second piece is ownership. Um, People need skin in the game. I always say that people support what they help create and as a leader, I think this is gold. The question of what belongs to you, what the company needs to accomplish, what the goals are, but the question of how, you need to ask that to the team. Because the moment that they answer how this needs to be accomplished, they own. What they asked to do—that's gold. I, mm-hmm. I'm a—I am a master certified strategist, and I would take a weak strategy developed by the people that have to implement it far over a, a masterpiece developed, dr, you know, push top down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the last piece is, is performance. Um, in two thousand eight, I did a I did a um, research paper about what motivates people in a downturning economy, and what I found was it isn't it isn't a raise, it isn't a pizza party, it isn't a new incentive program. People want to first be held accountable. They want to know what they're doing is 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 helpful. They also want you to get rid of people who aren't performing. That's a huge demotivator. Um, and the second is they want you to invest in them. They want to learn, they want to grow, and they, they want you to take the time to coach and support and, um, and be interested in them. So, so three things a leader can do is to focus on building trust, being transparent, giving people skin in the game, ownership, and the last is taking time out of your schedule to invest in their performance.
0: Fantastic. So if I was to translate those into action steps, I would think the first step is to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. The second step would be to create some sort of commitment. uh, That's the ownership. And then to continue the conversation to ensure that it's maintained and it's not a one hit wonder.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes.
0: So perfect. Well, Meredith, I know that uh, there's so much more we could chat about on this particular topic um, and you've shared some amazing insights and I've got no doubt some of our listeners will be interested in touching base with you to either get some more information or uh, details on the services you offer or perhaps buy your new book that's about to be released. How's the best way for, A, for them to contact you and, B, if they want you to get a hold of a copy of your book?
1: oh thank you so much well anyone can get a hold of me at my website which is meredithelliotpowell.com again meredithelliotpowell.com I'm also very active on uh, LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter so you can definitely contact me there my book is available on my website as well as on trusty old Amazon which um, I know that uh, (laughs) most people that's probably the easiest um, easiest way to to get that I really encourage people to to reach out and connect with me. I'm a big connector and if you ask me questions, you uh, will definitely get an answer. Um, I, I love to engage.
0: Oh, fantastic. Look, Meredith, I'm really grateful for your time. Thank you so much for joining us for this Expert Insights CD. For more information on productivity, technology, strategy and training, visit the website, the three W's, Until next time, this is Donna Hansen, helping you work smarter and not harder with technology. Bye for now.